Hello and welcome to the Final Girls podcast where we explore the intersections of horror film and feminism. This is Anna, co-founder of the Final Girls and your podcast host. In this season, we're tracing the lineage of female monsters in horror cinema. And in each episode, I'm joined by a special guest to dive deep into a monster movie or two. We're coming up to the end of this season now, with only a handful of episodes left, but we've still got some great contemporary horror films to discuss. And today, we're venturing into genre and gender-blending sci-fi territory. First up is Splice, the 2009 horror film starring Adrian Brody and Sarah Polly as two scientists who carry out a controversial experiment involving hybrids. Despite being asked to discontinue it, they splice the human DNA with something else, many things, end up creating a creature that might turn out to be dangerous. I mean, it's a horror film, so obviously the creature turns out to be dangerous. It's a lot of fun. And in the second half of the episode, we're going to be covering Jonathan Glazer's Under the Skin, where an alien, played by Scarlett Johansson, disguising itself as a human female, drives around Scotland attempting to lure men into her van. And once there, she seduces them and sends them into another dimension where they're nothing more than meat. This film is honestly probably one of my favorite films from the last decade. Stunning in every single way. If you haven't seen it, please seek it out. To discuss both of these films in detail, I'm joined by writer and actor Isora Barber-Brown. As always, our conversation on this podcast will contain spoilers from the very beginning. And be warned, there is some discussion about phallic poop monsters in the first half. Enjoy. Zora, welcome back to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm great, thank you. Thank you for having me back. I'm excited because we arranged this recording months ago, I think, and have only sporadically been talking about the beauty of Under the Skin and the batshit craziness of Splice. <laughs> yeah, um, it's all I've, I've, th- I've thought about it a lot since you asked me to come and talk about them. <laughs> <laughs> and it's been really just bubbling up inside me until now. Cause I've been like, oh, I can't wait to talk about these <laughs> Because I'm obsessed with both of them in probably equal intensity, mm-hmm. but for completely different reasons. Um, I'm excited. Okay, so let's dig into Splice from 2009 first. Here he comes. Careful. All clear. That's it. Heart rate stable. If we don't use human DNA now, someone else will. Regulators and politicians, they tear us to pieces. Millions of people are suffering and dying. What are the moral considerations of that? This is illegal. We're going to go to jail for this. Human cloning is illegal. This won't be human. Not entirely. It's coming out. It's not due for months. It's slippery. It's... <laughs> what was that? mistake here is something completely unique in the world something Clive? 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 
days within a matter of minutes. She's perfect. We'd crossed the line. What did you expect when you made it? Didn't you have a plan? You can't let her out. Specimens need to be contained. Don't call her that. What is going on? She's become unstable. This is the disaster everyone warns about. A new species set loose in the world. So what is your relationship with this film? So the first time I ever saw Splice was, I think, so I, I used to live in New York and mm-hmm. I think I was back in New York visiting, like after I'd moved back to London, I think it was a year after I moved back and I went back to visit. And me and my housemates, um, when I lived there, were obsessed with horror films, mm-hmm. went to a lot of late night screenings. Um, and so my friend was like, let's go to a late night screening of a hot, like a new like weird horror um so we went to see splice because that was like the one that was out at the time we were like mm-hmm. yeah it's like 11 o'clock screen let's go and it was me and my two old housemates and one other man in the whole cinema in the whole screen um <laughs> and all of us were just cackling the entire way because we just we were like oh this is i don't know what we expected but it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't this film <laughs> And I think at this point, this is like after Adrian Brody's like won an Oscar. For the pianist, yeah. Yeah, he's a certain type of actor at this point, right? So you you kind of had assumptions, I guess, Mm -hmm. about what this kind of film would be. And it just, nothing, nothing we thought was going to happen happened. Um, Absolutely wild things did happen. Um, Yeah, and I I just, we've been obsessed with it since then burned into my memory so many images from that film i mean this is all entirely spoilerific so we can go into as many specific wild details as we want to but overall Mm. do you think it's a good sci-fi horror film (laughs) Uh, (laughs) okay (laughs) okay (laughs) i don't even know what to say if we're if we're counting so, like, if we're on a scale of, like, sci-fi horror, if uh-huh. we count stuff like Alien and Aliens as and, like, The Thing as good... Mm-hmm. Yes, we do. This is not that. So those are, like, <laughs> prestige. <laughs> so in the same way, like, there are TV shows, like, prestige shows, right? Yeah. There's, like, prestige sci-fi horror. This is, like, the soap opera of sci-fi horror. This is, like, it's very enjoyable. But it's it's not prestige. It's definitely like the junk food version of of that genre. So this is like the the EastEnders of sci-fi yeah. horror. Yeah, <laughs> lots of shocks, lots of twists and turns. But it's definitely not like like oh, this really made me think about anything. It's it's just mostly made me laugh quite a lot and. Um, <laughs> Yeah, there's some good, like, gory bits. There's, like, one specifically good gory scene where, like, the two... There are two penis monsters, right? These two... They're not monsters. (laughs) If you haven't seen, that's going to really throw you off. There's not monsters. It's, like, these two Two, things they make in a lab. Yeah, two penis-shaped genetic creatures. Which they made of a hybrid of different animal proteins and DNAs and whatever. But they, they don't look like any animal you've ever seen. They have no traits of any animal you've ever seen. They just look like two really fleshy, meaty, weird penises. 
um or they make a boy and a girl and they're called fred and ginger um Mm -hmm. but then ginger turns into it's very it's very jurassic park ginger turns into a guy at some point um Mm -hmm. for some reason that is never fully explained they're just like oh no (laughs) that happened um so there's a scene where they're presenting these two things uh to i don't know like other scientists like as their big scientific breakthrough yes and they still think ginger's a girl but ginger's a boy now which means she's very violent mm-hmm. um so the two penis monsters rather than being all cute and like in love with each other like they were before they have that they they have like little spikes out of the ends of their penis from somewhere again i don't know what animal this came from i, I don't know why the spikes are a thing but um, they fight and it's really bloody and then this massive tank like falls and breaks and the whole front row gets a splash it's like very carry-esque so there are some good bits like that some good like gore but mm-hmm. um mostly it's just insanity like nothing makes sense um none of the decisions anyone's making make- these are meant to be very smart people they are very dumb Smart people. <laughs> like very stupid <laughs> they make a lot of stupid like i'm sitting at home i've never been i don't know if you know this about me but i've never been a scientist <laughs> it's not i, it's not I one of my did things. not know never been one so um and i so i'm not you know i'm not clued up on my like bio whatever scientist they are but even i knew watching it like i'm pretty sure you shouldn't shouldn't be doing any of that stuff pretty sure <laughs> a lot of this is a mistake a lot of this like genetic play is a mistake. So I don't know where we are in science. Again, I'm not a scientist. I don't know where we are scientifically as far as those things are right now in the real life. But I, I'm guessing they're further ahead. We're assuming they're further ahead than science. Science has gone so far in our our real life. So they're able to create whole new species and things like mm-hmm. that. And the leap from we've made these weird fleshy penis things to, hey, let's experiment with human DNA, is so, <laughs> it just comes out of nowhere. <laughs> and it happens so quickly. I'm like, that's, is that not quite the leap? Is that not quite the yeah. shocking? And it's very much like motivated by their uh, bosses who want to patent yeah. it and kind of make it into medicine and things like that. Like that's the way that they sell it into Clive and right. Elsa. Uh, the scientists who create the the penis poop monsters. Um, yeah. And I say penis poop because for me, they looked more like giant shits, basically, Poops. as opposed to penises. Giant fleshy shits. Yeah. Penis shit monsters. I think monsters. They, all, they also kind of look like a big testicle. They're so weird. <laughs> I don't know who designed that. I don't know why sci-fi really loves. This is a big thing in like Aliens, in Prometheus, like yes. all that. They love the phallic shape. Um, I don't know what's going on there, what that is, but um, it's very well, in interesting. This, in this case, it kind of reminded me more of, have you ever seen the film Dogma? Yes. Do you remember oh. the the Golgothan, the kind of the giant shit monster that's in that film? Yes. Oh, God, in the bar. Yeah, like offshoots of that, where they're kind of really <laughs> fleshy and sort of veiny, but they also just look like, play-doh slash poop that say a child would play with i've had a much more innocent read on this than you had a much more innocent read i'm just like (laughs) this is a penis like even the little hole at the end where the little spikes where little like tendrils come out of like it's very it's very phallic i mean you're not wrong you're not wrong it's extremely phallic 
I mean, anyone who's going to watch this film after you listen to this podcast, you you go watch it and then tell me those aren't just weird penises. But <laughs> I t- I rewatched the film last night and I was taking pictures and sending them to people of the little poop penis monsters. <laughs> so you know they are the highlight of Splice. <laughs> and um, they kind of start the whole thing off, but they got forgotten about quite quickly. Like they mm. get very distracted very quickly. So let's talk about then Clive and Elsa and their relationship right. because they're both are lead characters, are mad scientists, kind of the antagonists as well. What do you make of them? Clive is just kind of a really annoying like wet blanket who just kind of lets everything happen <laughs> to him. Just whatever's happening at the moment, Clive's in. He's like, oh, okay, I guess this is happening now. It's like, yeah. I mean, please get a backbone, dude. And um, Elsa is so annoying, so annoying to the point where I was like watching it, like, oh my god, I actually, I like want to hit her a little bit. <laughs> like she's very <laughs> annoying. <laughs> Everything she says, the way she even delivers her lines, hmm. some of her line reads, I'm like, oh, you are just, I don't know, like, I don't know where you come from. I would like, and th- there's this backstory they. Like, don't really go into that her mum is like not a very good mother right that yeah. her mum treated her badly and you see her childhood room which is like mm-hmm. this dank little room with like a mattress on the floor and like nothing in it um so you get the impression that she was possibly abused mm. but like they don't go into it enough to make you feel like oh she has reasons for being this way mm. she just seems like a dickhead and so it's really <laughs> you're not on her side at any point at any point any decision she makes you're like no this is terrible. Mm. You're terrible. And I mean, it's one of those, it's very like Frankenstein's monster. Like, who is the monster and who is the man? Like, Elsa's definitely the monster. It's like very much in that vein. Um, yeah. And even when she, like, she says she loves, like, so they, so they make, so they make a hybrid. Again, we don't know what animals it's mixed with, but it's got her DNA. Mm-hmm. They make some little creature that they then raise, which initially looks like a weird little rat and then grows into like a Quite kind a cute, of weird kind of like cute, cute kid. Creature. Yeah. Yes, cute, but it's like like ratish. <laughs> and then and then it's like looks more like a little girl and then she grows into like this kind of sexy woman with like weird legs and like wings. But <laughs> she like says she loves her yes. um throughout all of it. I just never believe her. There's no mm. point where you're like, oh she does really love her. Because she changes from being like nice to her to being an absolute dickhead. Well, you meant you bring up something quite interesting that like I had completely forgotten about the film since I watched it originally when it came out, and it's that relationship between Elsa and Dren, the the creature yeah. that they create. Because you're right, like they make a big thing about Elsa's mummy issues and kind of the way that she doesn't right. didn't really have like a nice childhood and she didn't really have a strong relationship with her mother and she's reluctant or doesn't you know doesn't want to be a mother which is fine totally fine um mm. but Clive does they do talk about children that's kind of the only mm-hmm. one of the very few insights that we get into their relationship before they they create start creating um Dren this kind of human creature hybrid so yeah. what do you what do you make of the relationship between Elsa and their creation? It's weird because obviously like it starts off because she says she doesn't want children. So you're like, okay, that's where she stands, which mm-hmm. feels like a kind of weird red herring because then she's so keen to raise this thing they created. 
Mm. Even when they don't know what it is initially, they don't know how it's going to grow. They don't know if it, well, they get the idea it could be dangerous. It has like a spiked tail. So they get the idea she could be dangerous. And then she slips into this mother role really quickly. So you, it kind of comes out of nowhere where you're just like, oh, she didn't want to be a mother like five minutes ago. And now she's like literally like being like, oh, hey, sweetheart. Like, so the reason that the creature is called Dren is because it's nerd backwards, which is, I mean, I don't know who wrote that, but like, oh no, like, <laughs> please. Feels like so on the nose. And then they call their daughter Dren. But yeah, she slips into this role, but then she, it, they never explain enough about her or about her past or about how she actually feels about this thing that she's created. Mm-hmm. And if that's what changes her, that you don't really know where she stands. And because she flip-flops in how nice she is to Dren mm-hmm. back and forth throughout the movie, it's like, is that because she, even though she feels motherly towards her sometimes, um, she actually, first and foremost, is a scientist Mm. And therefore is always going to revert back to like kind of a colder view of, of Dren is still a science experiment. Mm-hmm. Or is it because she doesn't know how to do it, be a mother because her mother was so awful? It, mm-hmm. We don't know. So it's hard, like I was saying, it's hard to be on her side because you just never have enough information. But when Dren, she finds it easier to be nice to Dren, I guess, when Dren's little. Yes. And then... The minute Dren gets older and gets a mind of her own, it wants mm-hmm. things and mm-hmm. um, has, you know, not opinions, I guess is the wrong way to phrase it because she never really talks. But um, the minute she has like a, a sense of self mm-hmm. is or when desires. Elsa, yeah, Elsa really has issues with her, starts to have issues with her. And it's like genuinely like incredibly cruel to her, like quite a lot. Mm. Um, and on the flip side, Clive um, is... Um, initially like very much like this is a terrible idea very wary of what they're doing mm-hmm. and gets to be a lot like nicer to her like when once she's alive once she's in the world he's like has the view of oh well now she's alive and we're looking after so we have to be nice to her I mean he mm-hmm. goes too far <laughs> he, he's too nice to her at one point but <laughs> but he never has this feeling it seems that he's detached from the idea of like she's an experiment once she's alive and she's a person essentially yeah he he completely accepts that and he doesn't view her as an experiment anymore and it's interesting you bring it up because there's actually elsa without letting clive know actually has created dren with her own dna so it is a part of her so that's also a massive a massive red flag i'd say uh, as a scientist oh elsa's nuts like i don't know what she's doing i don't know how she got that job but like (laughs) There needs to be some sort of like process. They do like some sort of like psych assessment because I was like, she is not okay. Like <laughs> every decision she makes is bonkers. And I, 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 yeah, I just don't know. Even to, like literally to the end, her end decision is insane. I'm like, mm. this woman is not okay. Like, we'll come no. to the ending in a little bit, but <laughs> yeah. I wanted to move on because you mentioned it earlier is that scene where Clive and Dren get a little mm. too close for comfort so, <laughs> so I'm putting it in such a polite way so so polite Clive fucks Dren um and it's really oh it's like so bizarre it literally feels like it comes from she she's a child <laughs> for like a good section of the film 
and then she you get the impression she's kind of like team she ages quicker right than, than yes. people do which is yes. so it's like escalated aging and so you get the impression she's like a teenager so there's that part where Elsa's putting makeup on her and like mm-hmm. you know all this stuff it's like very teenagery um but she's like you know got boobs and stuff now um and then she develops this crush on Clive there's mm-hmm. one bit where she wants to be outside and she tries to run away and she fig- figures out she has wings and is about to fly away and Clive says Elsa we need you no uh, Dren we need you we love you and mm-hmm. she turns around and gives him this huge hug and you see Elsa's face to be a bit like <gasps> like she doesn't like it um yeah. but at that point it's quite innocent and then he's just nice to her and then Elsa finds drawings of Clive that Dren has done like loads and loads of, and so it feels like Elsa's a bit jealous that she's obviously cares more about Clive than her um and then <laughs> there's one bit where Clive is they have, vid, they have cameras set up in Elsa's and Dren's kept in a barn of this farmhouse and there's cameras set up in the barn to like keep an eye on her and there's a bit where Clive is watching the camera she's swimming about naked in the water and he kind of is watching her and then like goes to touch the screen and then like stops himself I'm like wait where did these feelings come from like truly where did they come from no idea and I think it's kind of implied that they come from the fact that she has some of Elsa's DNA mm-hmm. it doesn't make it any less weird right I'm like so if Elsa had a child would you feel like mm, sexy like no like what are you doing like it's very you've raised it it's, like I said it's very Woody Allen it's very like mm, this is <laughs> tinged with weirdness and then he goes into the barn at one point and um I guess Dren's kind of decided that she's going to seduce him. She's naked and she mm. has the wings out and she like kisses him. And he's like, Dren, no, we can't. We shouldn't do that. And she gets like quite like, oh, she's like upset. And he's just looking at her and he's like, Dren, no, we shouldn't do that. We, sh- we shouldn't do that. And he like leans in. <laughs> literally the script from the porn film. <laughs> That's. 100% the script like it takes him half a second from like no to being like oh yeah anyway we shouldn't do that and then he's like honor <laughs> and also let's keep in mind that Dren has never had sex before so this is mm-hmm. her first time with her dad essentially it's very weird and um he, and it doesn't it's not like they kiss and he's like oh what does this mean straight to banging they straight to having sex like right in there so before this Elsa's cut off her tail spike, right? Elsa's had a flip out about Dren and like had an argument with her and then Dren's like almost spiked her with her tail spike. So Elsa in like the cruelest moment she has ties her to a table and like severs the end of her tail. Um, And it's like very Mm -hmm. dark, that scene. Um, So her like end of her tail is bandaged up. But then what happens while she's having sex with Clive is her spike mm-hmm. actually comes through anyway. Yeah, really and so you don't know if that's just, yeah, you don't know if that's a reaction to just like, she's never had sex before. Maybe that's just what happens when mm-hmm. she orgasms or I don't know. But like the idea is that she might be about to kill him. Mm-hmm. We don't know. Um, but we never know because Elsa walks in mid, mid-sex and then like Adrian Bodie's like running out after in the snow with his pants down and it's very awkward. Um, they also get over that very quickly because it's more than like it's so complicated an issue it's like not only have you cheated on your long-term girlfriend you've also cheated on her with essentially a daughter <laughs> that you helped raise 
Um, there's also a science experiment. It's like you'd think that that type of situation would deserve at least a conversation. That should be like the big crescendo of like the whole thing, where they're like, "What do we do now?" Barely a five-minute conversation, where he somehow tries to turn it on her, talks to her about how she's like how they're confused and it's a confusing situation. What they've done is her fault because she started the experiment in the first place. And I was like, "Oh no, no." I'm pretty sure you could have decided not to do that, Clive. <laughs> Honestly, don't know how you got there or what the reason is. It's just so crazy. I didn't really know what the reason that's in there. I honestly don't. <laughs> like, I don't. I mean, it definitely adds weirdness to the whole relationship, I think. Like, it was one yeah. of those things where there's always, like, because it's it, the design of Dren is so confusing in many ways. Like, I wanted to ask you kind of what you thought about the the effects of the film. Because we go from, like, this sort of phallic poop creature to essentially you know she's played by an actress is played by a woman but there's sort of just elements yeah. that make her slightly inhuman she's got sort of like a split across her forehead her sort of eyes are a little bit too far apart to kind of be quite um to look like a human woman yeah and she's got the she's got a big tail and like i focus on the really subtle things like she's got a big ass tail and she's got wings yeah. <laughs> Also, like, <laughs> legs that make her about, I don't know, seven feet tall or something like that. So she's very clearly like a really, I think the design of her is quite confusing in itself. Yeah, because they really, and they, they actually don't show her legs. I'm sure that's more mm. of a budget thing than an actual thing, but they don't show her legs that often. So sometimes you forget that she's, because she looks like a woman. She also has like one, she only has mm-hmm. four fingers, right? And she looks like a woman kind of from the waist up. So you kind of forget and then there's parts you're just like oh this is weird so not only is he having sex yes there's woman-esque elements to her but she's not mm-hmm. like a human woman so it's also like this interspecies yeah. like <laughs> with like it's very weird that he's like he gives into it so quickly mm-hmm. and easily um but i do think the graphics are actually like re-watching i was like they actually hold up i think mm-hmm. fairly well um I believe what I'm seeing. Like, do you know what I mean? It feels real enough that I, I don't feel like I'm not taking out of the story by like some weird little graphic things or anything. The wings are particularly yes. beautiful. And even, her hands are really mm-hmm. well done as well. Yeah, I think the, the effects like really stand up actually. Um, and the performance mm-hmm. is really good. Um, like the actual performance of, of Dren is actually really good as well. There's also a weird, there's a weird through line with sex throughout this i don't really understand again why but there's also the part where dren's like Mm -hmm. still a child and they've keep they're keeping her in the basement of the lab and they've just put her to bed and they're on the couch outside like her Mm -hmm. curtained off bedroom and they decide on the couch where they're separated just by curtain from this child that that's a good time to have sex the first time in ages so not go home or go to literally any other room in the lab they're like no let's do it on the couch like meters away from the weird alien child are raising um and you know what's baffling about that scene is that she's wearing elsa's wearing tights in that bit and rather than just take her tights off because they're somewhere quite secure like i don't know it, it, it's not like you're doing it like behind like behind a building somewhere you have to be like quick and discreet it's like you could you have time to take your tights off he like rips her tights which really is such a small detail <laughs> You 
just that would really annoy me. I'd be like, let me just take my tights. Don't rip my tights. I have to wear these like for the rest of the day. Like <laughs> it's such a small detail, but it's so confusing. I'm like, why don't you just stand up and take them off? I'm really confused by this. Like she's wearing a skirt. It's a passion. But it's not even passionately done. It's like very gently, just like oh, just like slowly tear these. It's like or she could just. I'm really confused by whether this is a choice you made. Um. And also, Dren is awake and gets up and starts watching them. And he sees her watching through the curtain mm-hmm. and just carries on. <laughs> and it's just like, so there's also this weird element. So also her first exposure to sex is watching Adrian Brody's face have sex without, like, it's just very weird. Like, I so mean, it's, it's, really it we- it's really weird that he sees her and continues. Because essentially, they're her parents. Like, if your parents... Yeah catch you like accidentally walking in on them having sex like the natural <laughs> the natural thing for them to do would be <laughs> to stop <laughs> you would really hope but no and it's, that's what's conf- <laughs> confusing about this film because they're obviously their dren their 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 position in mm. the story is is of their dren's parents and yes. so it's weird how much they deviate from that like how quickly and easily they deviate from that in like well, these moments yeah like same as in the moment where elsa cuts off her stinger after she mm. um attacks the cat kills. and yeah well yeah kills the cat and attacks elsa but like i made this note where it's like actually they put her in a dress and they sort of treat her like a little girl and they treat her like their sort of surrogate daughter but in a lot of ways they also treat her as not just a scientific um experiment but also just like a dog like they treat her like, like a, a pet. pet yeah and which is what triggers her, right? This is what mm. causes it. The reason Dren kills the cat is because Elsa makes a comment about, oh, it's nice to have a pet. And like Dren's like, fuck you. And like kills the cat. Mm. Um, but they still feed her out of a bowl. They're still feeding like vegetable mush. It's not like she gets a plate of food. They've not yeah. taught her to use knife and fork. They've not made her like food that's like, she just, they feed her out of a bowl. So they're treating her like a daughter, but also like this. And they're keeping her in a barn. And there's one also weird bit where, um, Clive says when um, it's he said like they say something like maybe we should move into the house and she's like someone will see her there's like where how who will see her in this farmhouse in the middle of nowhere if she's in the house why would they see her in there but not in the barn like lots of weird choices they make and it must be very confusing for, and, and there's never a thought for how Dren feels about anything about her being alive about her being kept in this barn about her having no one to like be around or like her being the only one of her and also there's no it's never discussed what other dna that is involved in that considering mm-hmm. the first things they made penis monsters are these unidentifiable you couldn't tell what creatures what parts dren is quite detailed and quite like um sophisticated and the th- Considering that the whole thing is that they're scientists, they're not very curious about the DNA they've used, the strands they've used, and like how they're manifesting in a whole, a brand new creature, a brand new animal. It's, they're not actually that curious, it seems. I don't know, it's very odd. They're like the, the strangest scientists in the world. They start neglecting their actual work, their mm-hmm. actual scientific work, and they don't seem, apart from what she can learn and do, they don't seem very interested in, in Bren as like a creature. They have not one conversation about the fact that she has wings. Like not one. They see it and it's no, you're never right. mentioned. <laughs> she just has them. And you're like, oh, you, you, I'm interested. Like, are you guys not interested? 
<laughs> and how this has happened or and the, there's not, not even a question in their mind so when ginger the penis monster turns into a, a man they don't go for a second like hmm dren has some of that same dna maybe we should be keeping an eye on that they're not even doing regular blood tests or anything on mm-hmm. dren there's nothing there's no monitoring it's very odd that is actually what happens so there's like a, mm. essentially three endings to this film so there's the moment where dren turns into a male version of um of this alien hybrid uh that she is and rapes elsa and then clive's attack attacks him yeah and then gets murdered by male dren yeah but then elsa could save him but kind of doesn't no, she just kind of stands there and watches it happen. Yeah. And then because she's Elsa. Elsa. <laughs> yeah. And then Elsa essentially takes a whole bunch of money from the corporation they were working for to give birth to the the creature that she's been impregnated impregnated with as a result of that assault. And there's also the ending before that. <laughs> so the bit where they come they're like we have to like I think they essentially decide they have to kill or they have to do something about Dredd, they have to end the experiment. So after Elsa catches um, Clive and Dredd having sex, they have this conversation and decide that they actually have to, or they get found out or something, or or they're about to be found out or something like that. Mm-hmm. So they're going to kill, essentially they come to kill her, which Adrian Brody has done once already. When she's a child, he tries to drown her. And then it turns out she has like, aqu- uh, I was going to say aqualungs, but <laughs> I don't know, that's a scientific term. <laughs> No, she's got amphibious lungs that's it aqua lungs but, um, and so it's kind of like um elsa's like oh did you know and he's like yeah yeah totally knew um but he's <laughs> i was definitely not clearly, trying to murder her definitely not trying to murder like our new child um and so then because she's like aging rapidly when they come to like murder her they find her floating in her little like pool thing um and she's like dying and then she dies and Elsa's mm-hmm. crying, even though they were just about to come and murder her. So this is taking like a job off their hands. Elsa's crying and they bury her. And then their boss turns up. So that's like the first, first ending where you're like, oh, she's dead. And they, but they've been found out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this thing starts flying around. <laughs> and it's, it's male Dren. And as we learned from Ginger, for, when you're a male one of whatever, um, you get very violent. So this male Dren is just wants to murder everyone uh for some reason again that we never know so it just starts flying around it kills clive's brother it kills their boss um it attacks clive drags him under the water at one point and then finds elsa and there's this like really like this really dark like rape scene Mm. um and the part so this is i mean it's not funny rape is never obviously funny but there's a part in that scene where Elsa's kind of like, what do you want? And like, keep in mind that female Dren never spoke, never spoke a word. Male Dren in this terrifying voice is like, inside you. And it's like, oh my God. <laughs> like he just like says, like it's really prolonged. He like says inside you to her. And it, it, it goes back to something that Elsa said before she says to Dre when Dren's is still a girl she says to her there's part of me inside of you um so that's like a phrase that male Dren obviously remembers so mm-hmm. he says it in during a rape in this terrifying way and again we don't know the motivations we don't know why but 
is determined and it's really dark and then Adrian Brody comes and like saves the day kind of <laughs> Elsa just kind of like could kill Dren but just kind of waits for Dren to like stab Adrian Brody in the heart first and it's like I think she wanted Clive to die at that point I really do like I don't know what Elsa's motivation is but <laughs> she, I don't know <laughs> she just seems to like be a bit chaotic and even at that point, she was just, she didn't even seem that, like, bothered by Clive's death. I don't know, man. Like, I don't know what Elsa's deal is. I don't know what her problem is. But <laughs> even <laughs> the way she talks to Clive in some of the film, it's like, you do not like this man. He just does what you say. Um, it seems like she just, she she's so, like, mean to him <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> She just disregards his feelings and opinions about so much that I really don't think she cared um, that he was dead. She was just like, I was going to give it a second because hopefully I'd have to deal with you after this, like a lecture from you after this either. Um, but yes, and even the rape is also so... The levels of that as well. So it's her child who's now, who was a girl, is now a man, but has part of her DNA which has now raped her and impregnated her, which I don't even, I don't even know. Who even knows what that, what that <laughs> child is to her. It's like her grandchild, but her, it's like she's like the grandma and the mom. I don't even know what that I is. I mean, um, <laughs> Splice 2 would be just someone trying to untangle what relationship Elsa holds to that, that poor alien baby. <laughs> That po- and who even knows what's going to come out like? Oh, like, this is, this is. And she's so unbothered. At the end, what's really, like, off about it, she's sitting, she, they don't show you that she's pregnant straight away. She's talking to, like, this high up in, like, the science company. I don't know any of my science words. I have no science words today. <laughs> like, high up in the science company, which I'm sure it's not what it's called. But um, <laughs> she's, like, top scientist. And um, they're talking and she's talking about how much money they're going to pay her and obviously give her everything she needs and then you see Elsa stand up and then she's pregnant and you're just like what is going through your head that you were like you know what for science I'm going to keep this baby like what the fuck for science for science and it's like first of all none of this has been for science this has all been for Elsa like there's a part where when when Clive realizes it's Elsa's DNA in Dren where he's like, you didn't do this because you just wanted to see what happened. You did it because you wanted to like pass your, you wanted to have a small, like a version of you. You wanted to pass on your genes without actually going through childbirth. This is, this is why you've done it. And she doesn't deny it. So I'm just like, it was never really even about the science for her initially. So is this just another version of this? Where she's just like so obsessed with herself. <laughs> and then she's like, I'm going to try this again. It's going to go way better this time. I mean... I just don't, in my head, that baby's going to tear out of her like an alien. Like, it's, it's, it's not going to be a normal birth. It's not going to be okay. Like, what's it going to look like? I have no clue. <laughs> I um, love that you've already, like, I have been thinking about this film for 11 years and have, like, been writing the sequel in your head. <laughs> <laughs> your weird alien baby that probably somehow still has, has Adrian Brody's DNA in it as well because maybe when he had sex with Dren, his DNA is mixed up in this stuff. I bet that's part of it. Like, who knows? I think um, you should pitch it. I mean, I think I think I am. I think I am. <laughs> <laughs> it 
whoever's listening, any producers out there, I'm good to go. I'm ready to write this. Um, but yeah, I just, it's, it's how calm she is at the end that she's pregnant with this baby. And she literally doesn't know what's coming to her body. And she's heavily pregnant. This is like, what, eight months later, I think it says. Um, we have no idea what the baby, and the, the head scientist lady kind of goes to her, you know, no one will blame you if you decided not to go through this. And like, <laughs> Elsa's like, um, what's the worst that could happen? And you're just like, oh, like truly, please get this woman a psych evaluation immediately. <laughs> what's the worst that could happen? I don't know, Elsa. You could give birth to another like weird monster child and it could murder everyone you know and then rape someone else. I don't know, Elsa. Like what's the worst that could happen? <laughs> it's very, I, I cannot figure out like a lot of like what the thoughts behind some of the choices and even I have I have so many questions I would love to sit down with a person who wrote this film and just ask a million questions because I'm just like I want to know just the reason behind some of your choices like for example what was Clyde's plan had Elsa not walked in on him having sex with Dren like what was the plan there like what how i would love to see how that scene went like elsa didn't catch him they finish mm-hmm. and then what like and then would he like be wanting to like date elsa for the rest of her short life until <laughs> she was a man um maybe i don't know i don't maybe may, uh, like would it continue like what I, I don't know like I, I i'm so curious was he just never i mean dren can't speak so she's not gonna say anything but like would she understand that you're keeping it a secret from Elsa? I, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't know what the plan is. I don't know how this scene, how this, how this goes. I feel like, I feel like we need to move on to Under the Skin or like you might, your head might explode because of the number of questions that this film is raising. So, but I love it. It's so, it's so wild. Like, please, please watch it. It's so wild. But like, also I do have like, I do think it's weird that they don't make, they don't let her speak through the whole mm. film. Dren never speaks. And then the guy version of her find, has language or like, like mm-hmm. finds words. I find that really odd, like a really strange choice. And I think the film thinks it's quite female centered. It is not. It's a very odd film for that reason that women are centered, but it doesn't feel like mm. it's for women. <laughs> like at all. Before, before we move on to Under the Skin, mm. would you recommend people seek this film out yeah because i thoroughly enjoy it like i've never had a bad time watching splice it's not boring that's for sure so (laughs) if you're just looking for something that's not going to be too challenging Mm -hmm. and has some like good graphic-y bits and like just enough suspense has like three endings um you're not going to be disappointed um i think you're going to have a fun time if you watch it don't watch Mm -hmm. it expecting like prestige yeah, highly recommend. <laughs> That's some strong recommendations right there. <laughs> so from the East Enders of sci-fi horror, moving into probably one of the best science fiction films I've personally ever seen, Jonathan Glazer's Under the Skin from 2013. <laughs> So you live alone? Yes. You think I'm pretty? I like a gorgeous. 
come to me. last time you touched someone. So what did you make of the film when you first saw it? And has your opinion changed since you rewatched it? No, I absolutely adore this film. Um, and the first time I saw it, I was actually lucky enough to be at Picture House um, when they had the Jonathan Glazer and Mika Levy there to Amazing. do the Q&A afterwards. And it was, in, and usually like, I think, have you ever been to a Q&A? You, you know that sometimes it can be like, not very informative, not very interesting, just kind of like, you don't really know why they're happening. Yes. But this is one of those ones where it was just so amazing to have that because it was such an interesting film. And I really didn't know what to expect when it started. And I had my reservations about Scarlett Johansson. Um, but she, abs this is what made me be like, oh shit, she's like an actor. She's an actor, mm -hmm. actor. Like she absolutely nailed this part. And it's so low, it's, considering it's sci-fi so much of it is so low-key it's so like just pale like pared back and um but beautifully done mm -hmm. um I think so when I when I the first time I saw it I was with like a bunch of people I worked at the time at Picture House and afterwards we I think we we're talking about it for like five hours afterwards we like went to someone's house and we just could not stop talking about it Wow. Um, there was just always something else to talk about. Mm -hmm. There was just always something, always something. And re-watching it, actually, there was stuff I noticed or stuff I guess, sometimes some things I remembered or stuff I noticed but I hadn't noticed before. And I was like, there's just, there's so much in this film. It's so mm -hmm. rich. Um, yeah, in comparison to like, it's like the, this is like prestige. This is like top of the line, top notch. Like, yes. it's like, it's so good. Um Let's start with um, something you mentioned a little bit just now, and it's the casting of Scarlett Johansson. So mm -hmm. this in and of itself is kind of a really bold choice. Um, yeah. You know, this is very much kind of an art house film. This is very much a Jonathan Glazer film. It's it's a it's a British production, and Johansson at this point is probably kind of one of the biggest, if not the biggest, female star, kind of above the title mm -hmm. level. Hollywood star and reportedly she sort of waited for about four years continuing to be attached to the film while everything was sort of sorted out and, and production actually began so what do you think of the choice of casting her and of her performance so I think so from the Q&A from what I remember she fought really hard to get this part mm. she really really wanted it and I think a lot of people advised her against I think like probably her team were like mm. um 
probably a lot to do with like like there's a quite a lot of nudity for her in it and stuff like that and just you know it was going to be this like kind of not big budget not necessarily going to be seen by a lot of people and she was definitely on that track I mean I know she's in Marvel now but she was on that track she was like always a romantic lead she was that girl mm-hmm. that was her like branding um and I think she was fighting against that because she knew she was capable of more and that film really did open a lot of doors for her it just gave her different roles it just meant that she could do both she could do Marvel but she can also do like marriage story or whatever like she just got taken more seriously after it so Mm -hmm. I completely understand why she fought for it and as far as casting her it makes sense because the role she was playing before she is like kind of like Megan Fox in that kind of way where she is always seen as like she's sexy just visually like she that's always attached to her when she's the role she plays she's she's that girl that everyone fancies that's like kind of the part she gets yes um so obviously gorgeous so obviously like and like because she's curvy and stuff like so easily sexualized that it made sense it was her because the whole point of this alien creature that she plays in in under the skin Mm -hmm. is that she's a a woman that guys would have a hard time saying no to Mm -hmm. for what she has to do which is essentially go around hunting men to take to like the goo Mm -hmm. um is that it makes her job easier if she mm-hmm. is if she looks like that, um, and so it made sense in that front. And I actually quite like because I like I just said there's a lot of nudity in it, yeah. and none of it's really sexual. None of it's none of it's sexualized actually. I don't think um, it's done so well. And I mean right from the beginning, and that you didn't feel at any point that she was being exploited. It mm-hmm. actually felt like the first time that maybe Scarlett Johansson had like this decision she made about her body, like showing her body in that way. And she mm-hmm. looks like a regular woman. I think that was like part of the, you know, she's not the fantasy. Like it's a woman's body you recognize. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't know, there's something quite comforting and quite, and because she's so nonplussed by it, especially like when she's nude, because it means nothing to her because it's not really her body. So you're you're tapping into something that I find so interesting about this film and it's kind of the way that she is performing the idea of what it is to be a woman and right. what it is to be a woman who also looks like that and is always constantly looked at and yeah because she she because she isn't a woman she is an alien in this sort of woman's suit she's not fully aware of the codes but also kind of yeah. is like it's interesting that she sort of tunes into this flirty hunt and she knows exactly how to maneuver the men that she's hunting down to lure them into the goo as you say so what do you think kind of um how do you think kind of she taps into this more performative aspects of of being a woman so what's interesting about that so she was actually driving around glasgow Mm -hmm. just talking to random guys who were actually just like not actors and that's why they made her look quite different. She put on a bit of weight for the role. They had her obviously in like her hair black and stuff because they didn't want her to be instantly recognisable recognizable as Scarlett Johansson. But also because she's driving around Glasgow, people aren't going to assume it's her. They might, Even if they thought they look, it looked like her, they'd be like, well, it's definitely not because why would she be here? But so she was really actually, Scarlett Johansson's performance was actually performing as this, if you see what I mean, like she was actually doing this, just talking to random guys and trying to get them on side, mm-hmm. which is quite an interesting thing as well, like quite an interesting performance thing. But also, I love the fact that she's 
the way that she's driving around and looking at men is the way we usually see women being looked at, women who are going to be targets or being hunted or be uh, viewed as prey. Um, And I don't think I've ever seen men being shot like that. And you really feel it. Mm -hmm. You really feel like she's hunting you. Mm -hmm. Like any of you could like be the next one. And um, I think it's very interesting that she's this woman. She's driving around a big white van um, and she's stopping at the side of the road and she's talking to random guys and being far too interested. Like he's using the, 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 the guise of like, oh, I'm asking for directions mm-hmm. um, to start talking to them. And then she quickly starts asking questions about them to get them into a personal conversation. And I was like, this is like a million red flags in one. If you're a woman and this was a man, he would so clearly be hunting you. <laughs> like, it'd be so off this man in the white van stopping and asking you too many questions about yourself and then offering you a lift, you'd be like, uh, so I can get murdered, 100% no. Um, but because men don't have to have ever, ever think about that, mm-hmm. it's just not even in their head. You're so like, right. Some of them are slightly wary, but they're never mm. pr- really wary enough. And when they get in the van, they just think they're in there. They're like, oh, lucky me. It's mm-hmm. like, you doesn't cross their mind that they're in danger. And I was like, this is so interesting because this would be the absolute opposite. Mm. Like, and I don't think it's by accident that it's a white van, that she's doing it in that way, that she's not going to like, I mean, there is a scene in a club, but she's not going to bars to pick up men and that's how she's doing it, that she's driving around. Mm-hmm. Because I'm like, we, we know that there has been men that do stuff like that. And the fact that it's not something that men have even worried about, like they don't even have to worry about to the point they would just get in someone's car and go to the house it's interesting as well that none of these men at all question the fact that someone who looks like Scarlett Johansson right. wants to engage in conversation and wants right. to get them naked and take them to some place where um, presumably they're going to have a sexual encounter. Right. And these are like, these are regular guys, these regular Joes. It's like, oh my God, really hot girl. It's like, you really think what's happened here? Is that, and obviously to the point that when I said she's talking to real men, like some of them are in the film. I think one or two of them are actually two guys that they weren't actors who she actually talked to and stopped. And then they actually put in the, in the goo because they like, like they said they agreed to do it, Mm -hmm. but they were just regular guys. And like, so you thought up until like a director popped out and was like, oh, actually it's a film at Scarlett Johansson. I say hi. You thought this beautiful woman had driven up in a van. And was like, oh, let me just start chatting to you. Oh my God, get in my van. Oh my God, let's go have sex. And you just, you were just like, yeah, of course that's what's happening to me. Of course, (laughs) just a normal day. Baffling. The mindset, it just really like, really shows you the mindset of men and how different it would be. And it's such Mm -hmm. an interesting like flip of like a gender role without being heavy handed. He like completely flips it on his head and you're um, rewatching it. I was like, this would be terrifying if you're a woman. This would be absolutely terrifying. And it's also the way she talk, like the, she knows the way to get to them is to ask them lots of questions about themselves. Mm-hmm. That's all she does. Mm. And just kind of smiles and laughs at their compliments and just like <laughs> kind of a bit giggly. And I'm just like, literally, she's not even really doing anything. She's asking some fairly mundane questions and then smiling a lot. And that's enough. I'm like, it's unreal. <laughs> it's so, it's so clever. And I'm just like, Wow. It just took so little for you to get into that woman's van. Like, that's amazing. Um, And it also, like, it's interesting because you're like, if I was so inclined, if I was a woman that wanted to go drive around and do that, part of me knows, I think women generally, like, the idea that 
there is kind of an easiness. If you didn't care about who you were trying to have sex with or mm-hmm. like if it was any guy that you could just be charming for five seconds and they'd probably want to have sex with you. Um, <laughs> and you wouldn't have to, it wouldn't be anything you said. It wouldn't be anything. It's just that you seem like a woman who might want to have sex with them. So that's enough of an incentive. And it feels like something we kind of know, but obviously we're not usually putting into practice. Mm. But the fact that it was put into practice, it's like, it's a weird social experiment. And like, I would love to see the date run. I'd love to see the take they didn't use of like guys <laughs> she talked to, because I bet there's loads. Because none of it's like a real woman. It's all just to get them into the situation. Mm-hmm. So she doesn't really have a personality, but that's mm-hmm. part of it. That's why it's so like, creepy and like clever. Um, she doesn't need to have one. And what do you make of the way that she actually murders them of the scenes in the goo? I love the goo scenes. That's like the the only bit that's really like feels like high tech. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it feels like they threw the budget at that part, those parts, and it, it works. Um, I love that they all have erections. Like I love they kept that in. Mm-hmm. Even in stuff like that. Like I'm like, it's so unusual to see that. An ere- actual erect penis on screen it's like well they're about to have sex they think they're about to have sex and like I love it it's also the fact that they're just walking into the house and they're already erect the idea of Scarlett Johansson undressing is enough um to have them fully erect um I mean impressive powers um but when they're walking they're slowly sinking into she's walking across this like black plane and they're slowly sinking into the goo and the entire time they're sinking, they never look down and go, what's happening? Their eyes are firmly on her the whole time. Mm-hmm. And it's such a gentle descent into what feels like kind of a womb-like <laughs> like atmosphere. Mm-hmm. It's like very gentle. And um, we do get one part. There's one guy who we see, the one part we actually see in the goo where we see what's happening underneath the goo. So the guy sinks and then we're seeing it from where he is and then we see her walk away on top like on like as if she's walking on glass on top and we see him like kind of floating there and he's not mm-hmm. panicking it's like he just doesn't really know what's happening but he's kind of look like disoriented is like also the wrong word he's just like very calmly like looking around like mm-hmm. kind of like oh and like like he doesn't really understand how he got there but he doesn't seem that concerned until he sees this man mm-hmm. this other man who's obviously a previous goo victim who's like so he's like floating this is also a really amazing bit of like um special effects mm-hmm. where it looks like his skin is like his skin's kind of being empty so he's still like the shape of a man but he's like very soft yes and he's kind of screaming out for help so he's obviously been there for a while and um then he like gets like something happened like so it's kind of like a clap it's like the one bit that makes you like kind of jump there's like this kind of like sharp sound and then his skin is just emptied and his skin is just floating around in the goo. And then you see like the sludge of whatever's been like sucked out of them, like going on yeah. like a little like treadmill thing. Um, and it's they like never explain what's happening. It's like they're floating in um, sort of some sort of anesthetic so that they never seem to be yeah. in pain or screaming, no. which in itself is kind of an interesting reversal of the thing you were mentioning about before of kind of when we're usually seeing... Um, men sort of hunt down women on screen in horror films and thrillers and stuff or i'm not saying it's for everything but kind of a the general kind of 
brushstroke is that usually there's quite a lot of violence and pain involved yeah. and kind of the image of a woman screaming is kind of one of the most indelible images of horror films in general yeah. so the idea that she is you know this alien pretending to be a woman is luring these men to these horrendous deaths but it's all very quiet it's very mm. soft and like they sort of slowly walk into the goo and then float around as their life and their i don't know energy bodies are sucked out of them and there's just skin left behind is it's very eerie but like beautiful to watch and everything is scored with mika levy's amazing soundtrack which which is like another character I yeah like what do you think throughout of that? the film um so in the q a actually jonathan glazer talked about this quite a lot because he's saying how he basically told her certain scenes and she makes something and be like something like this which is how they started working together and her sound was just so specific. And obviously she's just like a genius, I think. With, mm-hmm. Like, she's just an amazing musician anyway. But it's so specific to this film. Like, it feels like she's really, she has made everything for every moment that it becomes part of this other character. Like, it becomes something else. It's like this whole other section. You really notice it, but not in a distracting way. Mm-hmm. In a way that adds to the beauty and adds to like, I don't know, just the atmosphere of this film because there's actually not that much dialogue, right? There's not that much talking in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, But you don't notice, I think, and I think a lot of that is to do with Mika Levy's score. You'll just be, like, you're being swept along. It's just so beautiful. Um, and it also, like, especially the bits in the goo bits, so there's the same music when they, when they start walking into the goo. Mm-hmm. And it's this impression that it's not this, it's like, it's a slow beat and it's not this violent kill. It's not this like sudden thing. It's actually quite gentle. Mm-hmm. And these men are actually like, as told by their actions, are actually like in a good place when they're about to die. Like they think they're about to like have sex with this beautiful woman. They're actually like, you know, as happy a death as it can be when you're sucking into goo. Do you know what I mean? Rather than it being yes. like, oh, you're terrified just before you die. It's actually yes. just like, this very like and she she's undressing so up and she she keeps the illusion alive up until they've sunk so obviously Mm -hmm. once they start sinking i'm pretty sure she could just stop undressing and like let them sink but there's no point where she's like callous Mm -hmm. where she just stops and like turns around and like where they know like oh she's like fucked me over it's she she keeps the illusion going up until like right until the end yeah and it's interesting because she's definitely portrayed as unfeeling yes this 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 alien doesn't understand doesn't have any interest at the beginning anyway in human feeling mm-hmm. um and i say to you right so it's like what, the very beginning to get her first set of clothes she's undressing this dead woman mm-hmm. and she's not rough but she's also not gentle mm-hmm. it's not the way that a person would undress another gently undress another person it's just functional she's got her own kind of brand of cruelty in a way by not really seeing these people men and the kind of the one uh female body that we see her you know steal the clothes off from and then quite notably in the beach scene where she murders one of the guys we don't really get a sense of her having any sense of humanity and no i was wondering kind of what you thought about that scene in particular and whether this 
film was whether that scene in particular was kind of a turning point for the way that we saw that character so when she's hunting men right i think we're more okay with it i think especially as women watching it not okay with it but you're kind of like oh, okay well what that's what she's doing fine mm-hmm. um and then the beach scene so she's she's obviously she's there initially to hunt that surfer man she waits by his towel for him to come back he's a man she asks the usual questions like oh you're here on your own are oh, you just like you know to get information about him to check he's on his own and then the scene plays out kind of off to the side that then changes that plan i think it's like it's choppy water their dog can't swim back a woman it's like a family on the beach a woman goes in after the dog the husband goes in after the woman and they've left their baby on the beach she just has no reaction to it so the surfer <laughs> runs off to go and try and help and he goes and like rescues the man um and she just kind of slowly walks over with no expression on her face watches it all play out um the surfer gets back the man runs directly back into the sea to try and find his wife mm-hmm. and then while the surfer's exhausted from just saving this man she just like finds a rock that's the right size smacks him over the head once and then drags <laughs> his body away and the whole time a baby is screaming <laughs> on the beach like and I mean like and I it's such a it's such a I actually remember it as longer from before I rewatched it I remember that because it stuck so it felt like I think in the cinema it felt like it went on for ages just hearing a baby cry and watching a woman drag a body and not even once glance at the baby yeah not a thought in her head that is not her concern doesn't even register and I think it's such a clever device to be like Mm -hmm. oh she's not a woman she's not a person like if you needed any more proof that she's not a person mm-hmm. she has no reaction to it so she can't even hear it and um yeah and i think there's part, parts of it before like where she's there's a bit where she's talking to one of the guys and he he kind of is a bit wary of her when she stops in the van and he's like talking to her and he's a bit wary and wants to get away and her face from being very smiley the minute he's gone her face just drops and she doesn't really talk unless she's talking to like her prey. Mm-hmm. She doesn't really say anything mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. I think she she says maybe one word as her, as in like when she's not hunting, which is like to the guy who she ends up like staying with when he's when um, he's like, "Do you need help?" And she says, "Yes." I think that's the only word she says. Yeah. And what do you make of the the kind of the moment where she starts becoming a bit more aware of who and what she is? The fact that she is wearing this woman's suit, but she's not really human. And how she reacts to this one guy that she picks up who actually treats her kindly. Yeah. So what's interesting with her development, with her change, is actually, even though she doesn't react to the baby on the beach, Mm -hmm. there's a bit later on where she's in the van and there's a baby crying in the car over and it makes her think of the baby mm-hmm. on the beach. She like looks around a bit like, oh, it like throws her. And there's this whole thing with mirrors where she starts mm-hmm. like every time she starts noticing herself in the mirror and she starts getting really fascinated. There's a whole thing with eyes and mirrors and like she starts really looking quite hard at herself, mm-hmm. um, like trying to figure something out, like not really knowing. She doesn't seem like maybe she's not sure where she ends and like her woman suit begins at this point like because mm-hmm. she starts staring for quite a long time quite like like hard at herself and trying to figure something out and she takes pity on Adam Pearson's character and lets him go and we don't even know how she he starts sinking into the goo we don't know how he gets him out of the goo um 
and we haven't mentioned them yet, but they're these motorbike men who I think are just labeled yes. number like called the bad men in the in the in the IMDb like cast list. But they are kind of like monitoring her. So they're like kind of her bosses or like handlers in some way. So we're assuming aliens too. Um, and they kind of come and clean up after her, after she's killed someone, if there's stuff to clean up. So they come and take away, there's a bit on the beach with them as well. They come and take away the surface tent and they also just walk past the baby. The tide's coming in. You know the baby's going to die. It's really dark. So when she lets Adam Pearson go, she, she goes on the run, effectively, which is like a really mm-hmm. strange choice because before this, we haven't really seen her make choices in that sense. And she goes on the run because she knows that she's not meant to have done that and they're going to be looking for her because maybe mm-hmm. she's like, like, she's not doing her job effectively. And there's, I, there's a theory that I have that the woman that she addresses at the beginning is actually like an old one of her. You see what I mean? Like, oh, I like that, that idea. That's like the old one because I don't understand why they go get a random woman's body to get her clothes. It feels like they could have sourced clothes from somewhere else. It feels like they're collecting mm-hmm. that one mm-hmm. and doing like a transition to their new new model. They're dropping down, but Love it. um, <laughs> my theory. And um, yeah, and there's also the filming changes. So after she starts being paying more attention to herself and starts like she's uh, there's a bit where she trips over as well, which they actually they just filmed it from CCTV where she, they just had her trip over in the yes. street and had people came to help her. Obviously they relied on human nature that people would come and help her up and her perspective changes. Suddenly she starts seeing, first of all, she starts looking at women more, but more like noticing them in pairs or as a unit or like three women together or as like a family or like mm-hmm. she starts noticing that. And then there's a whole scene where before it's always been through a pane of glass between like, there's always a pane of glass between her and people. So it's always through the window van, like she's looking at people. Mm-hmm. And then there's scenes where she starts looking at people. It's always close-ups of people in the street. There's like quite a big like section of like cuts of them where she's really starting to notice people as people. Mm-hmm. She's like, she's like noticing, oh, that they're individuals. They she's are starting to notice like, their humanity and not just yeah. as fuel or meat for the, right. for the goo. And then she starts questioning what she is so then yeah so she she runs away uh runs out of petrol starts walking um and then she starts to, like explore like she it's, it's almost like a robot becoming self-aware i guess as it is what it's akin to is um she tries to eat cake right and then she no realizes she can't eat mm-hmm. right so it's a thing she didn't know about herself before she doesn't sleep really as far as we know and she can't eat food mm-hmm. and then she's just walking and we don't know where she's walking. I feel like she's just walking and walking and walking until like, she's just going to walk until I guess she's found by the motorcycle guys. And then this guy like helps her and he's kind to her and she looks Mm -hmm. so confused. Like her performance in this part, especially she's so baffled by this man, just like gently, like trying to look after her. And he, you know, he takes her to his house. He like makes her food. She doesn't eat. And I love the scene where she's watching Tommy Cooper again, just completely baffled, just like what is <laughs> happening. And he and everything he does, it's nice. She just looks so. Conf- and oh, there's a beautiful bit as well mm-hmm. where he puts music on in the kitchen, and he's washing up, and he's tapping his foot, and she starts tapping her hand. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is literally. She's like, it's like she's just discovering. She's like learning and she's like, she's learning that she might like to be a human, actually. Maybe mm-hmm. she wants to stay. And they go on like a weird little day trip, which is adorable. 
there's a bit with the heater. He puts a heater in the room for her in the spare bedroom that he's having a sleep in. And she just yes. watches him do these kind things and just like looks really confused. Yes. And then when he's gone, she stands in front of the mirror naked and is just looking at, not looking at her body. And I feel like this is also a genius stroke from Jonathan Glazer because I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of films would have been tempted to have her look at her breasts and look at how like womanly she is. Mm-hmm. But she's looking at her joints. She's looking yes. at her knee and her shoulder blade and her elbow and how her body actually works, how it looks like this body works. And she's just like learning about it and she's fascinated. Mm-hmm. And she's like a child. Like it's it's such a beautiful scene. And again, even though she's nude, it's not in any way it doesn't feel it doesn't even really feel voyeuristic. It feels so like innocent in a way. Also, she's decided that she wants him to kiss her, right? She's sitting there with her eyes closed. Like like again, like very innocent. Mm-hmm. Like kind of putting her mouth out, waiting for him to kiss her because she, like she wants to, she, the the feeling is she wants to experience these human things. She can't eat, okay, fine, but maybe mm-hmm. this human thing she can experience. It's actually quite a sweet scene. Like it's a love scene, I guess. Like, mm-hmm. and she's smiling so much through it. Like, which we, which it's the first time we've also seen her smile when she's not hunting again. Right? She's. It's just. It's genuinely her. Um, and then <laughs> there's this almost comical part where he's trying to like insert himself into her and it's not working and then she like like jumps up and grabs a lamp and like holds it between her legs because she realizes that she doesn't I guess whatever's happening down there it doesn't work the same way as a regular vagina but this is like such a shock to her and she it's like dev she's dev like she's really upset she thought she thought she was so close to being like oh I'm gonna have this human experience Mm -hmm. I can do this now and she can't even like it, it just feels it suddenly makes it impossible and mm-hmm. we don't even see her leave that guy's house we just know that she's left it, it somehow makes it impossible for her to stay there she just continues her journey like into the like Glaswegian wilderness and the, the fact that she's been using sex to lure these men and that it can never even go to full fruition like it can never even go the full way which she also didn't know like mm-hmm. she's been using sex to hunt this whole time but she can't even do it and what do you make of the way that when she is sort of in the um in the in the wilderness by herself mm. and quite distraught and she gets attacked by a i guess just a a guy who's working out there in the forest and he literally i mean he attempts to rape her but as you mentioned before obviously he he can't but he kind of I'd say that he does because he literally rips his assault rips her human skin off and reveals the actual um alien being underneath which is kind of all featureless and and slick and completely sort of opaque and black in color and kind of almost shimmery and it's I don't know it's such a sad scene for me what did you make of it when she's staring at her at the Scarlett Johansson shaped suit that she was wearing such a sad ending and I think it's also interesting so Jonathan Glazer flips it again in that scene where she's walking in the woods and that man starts talking to her he's doing the thing that more common than we know that men do when they're predators he's talking he doesn't like she doesn't say anything he's just talking and talking talking at her oh yeah it's like good paths around here you know oh you don't get lost it's fine it's like a lovely place. are you on your own he like slips in are you on your own Oh, are you like, and he like finds out just enough information that she's not with anybody. Um, and so we're, suddenly it's like, oh, he's, he's, he's a predator. 
he's he's doing the same thing she was doing at the beginning, but not as nicely, not as gently, and in a way that he doesn't even matter that she says anything back. Um, he's just gathering information, and she's suddenly from going from this powerful being who could lure men into the goo with just like enough smiling and like you know, um, you know whatever, um, to this victim, to this person who is seems so like um fragile almost so vulnerable and she's completely at his mercy and he knows that and I think like how we were talking about how the death of these men that she was hunting was so gentle in comparison to the violence she experiences at the end of the film is it's such a stark it's like oh god this is horrible mm-hmm. that when the minute she's actually and the more she's become a woman the more vulnerable she's become the more she's actually engaged with being a human woman, it makes her so much more vulnerable. Witnessing what he's done and like realizing that she's not of this world, rather mm-hmm. than like just run away, his thought is to go back and get like gasoline and set her on fire, which is so horrendous, so violent. And I'm like, the fact that that this is like her violent end when like, yes, she was killing men, but it was never, it wasn't cruel. It didn't feel cruel. And this, this such a cruel ending for her just feels really Mm -hmm. unjust. If you're a guy that thinks you can't have access to any woman you want, where you're okay Mm -hmm. violating a woman, the level to that violence literally knows no bounds. It's, it's, it's horrendous. And the fact that he's trying to rape her. And even though, uh, Scarlett Johansson uses sex to get these men. There's never that element of it. They're not going to be abused in that way where he was trying to abuse it. And even if he managed to, if, again, if she was a human woman and he managed to actually rape her, he, he would have killed her. This is what we learn about this man. This is what we learn about the violence in that way, the sexual violence. It's such an interesting like, way to turn this on its head and to end it as well. It's so sad. And it's just a devastating ending that she couldn't get to where she was figuring stuff out and she didn't have enough time to learn enough about it and he's destroyed her. And also mm-hmm. I wonder what would happened if, because obviously the motorcycle guys are after her. So I wonder what happened if they found her. Would she have been killed anyway? Would she have been taken back? Um, and there's something quite menacing about the motorcycle guys. They are called the bad men mm-hmm. um, as well. And so there is a, they, they have a threatening presence. There's a bit where one of them is examining her and he's really close to her face, like examining that she's still like working properly, I guess. Mm-hmm. But um, there's this looming threat of violence. And it's just really interesting that um, even when she's at her most powerful, it's like men are like, it's three motorcycle men who control her. And then she's at threat the whole time at the end anyway. The one place she felt safe she couldn't stay because she's not woman mm-hmm. enough. It's, it's, I just think it's so clever. I think it's so beautifully done. I think it's so gorgeous, but also so devastating, especially that last shot. The fact that she mm. has been, you know, in that final assault, she has been kind of stripped of her skin, um, of mm-hmm. this kind of facade of humanity, but then also could have just been left alone like like you said he could have just left but that final shot of her sort of burning in Mm -hmm. this vast forest and dying by herself alone kind of devastated and not kind of quite human it's really 
it's really bizarre because we're basically now empathizing with quite a unfeeling, quite cold, undefined, unspecified creature that has been wearing the Scarlett Johansson suit for the majority of the film. And we only get a glimpse of them for a few a few minutes at the end of the film and then they're gone. And it's the solitude that really gets me in that final shot is the fact that they die and no one's there to mourn yeah. them. They don't really get a name. I mean, they, she no. doesn't get a name throughout the whole film. And the kind of the implications and obviously this is based on a on a sci-fi novel as well mm. so there's kind of a wider world building that has been filtered through the jonathan glazer artistic lens which i think kind of makes it a completely separate entity almost from from the book yeah and it's this i think there's something really powerful like you say about it talking about the experience of feeling the pain of both the assault and also the all of the pain of the aftermath and then also yeah. just just being left alone in that wilderness to die yeah there's and something so you... intensely sad about it and you're nervous for her like again it plays on our, what the fears that we already have in the sense like a woman wandering around the forest alone it's already a bit like puts you a little bit on edge um, mm. even though she's hunting these guys you're a little bit on edge that she's driving around around at night a lot of the time it's a bit yeah. like oh that's why I think it's so easy to get on her side because we're still viewing her as a woman mm-hmm. even though mm-hmm. we're seeing that she's unfeeling you're just like yeah but she's alone and like is she not in danger all the time and yeah. then eventually she obviously is from all the things we're scared about as women in general being on our own being somewhere unusual being lost um, the things that we're most scared of happening happen to her Mm-hmm. And it's not lost on me either. Like when she's hunting, she's dressed in that little like fur jacket thing and she's wearing heels and, um, you know, she's dressed to attract men. And by the end, she's like wrapped up in that guy's like giant coat. Mm-hmm. You can't really see any of her body and she's still at danger. Mm-hmm. So it's also that idea of like a woman using her body to get something like she's using it to mm-hmm. hunt these men to do the stuff. And then, but it doesn't matter if someone wants, wants to take something from you. It doesn't matter, like, if you're not using your body right then, if you're not actually, like, trying to do anything right then, because he's just seen an opportunity. And the fact that he must have been, like, hovering around, waiting for her to, like, go to fall asleep. Um, the idea of, like, how many other women has he done this to? There's, like, other implications of that. I'm, I think the first time I watched it, I cried. It was really, It's when she's mm. looking at her own face, and then, yeah, in that completely white, like she's in the snow she runs out into the snow and like that's where she burns to death mm-hmm. and then it like pans up to like the snow the s- snow falling from the sky it's like completely white and it was really really moving it's just it's like something you'll just watch something have a chance at life yes they started out as this functional creature but then they had it felt like they had this real chance at something else and because she's like she took pity on the guy and she tried to escape. You want her to escape. You want her to achieve whatever it is she wants to achieve. Like whether that's like, I don't know, I'm sure she wouldn't have got a job or anything like that, like boring, but like you want her to be able to explore the things she wants to explore. You want her to be able to learn all the things she wants to learn. Mm-hmm. It's it. You want her to have like a nice time when she's in that man's house. It's just nice. It's like, Oh, I actually want this for her just to, be warm and looked after 
and like not have to do that thing, not have to be just a functional like creature to like actually maybe enjoy things. Um, because as much as she doesn't feel anything when she's hunting, she also doesn't enjoy, doesn't seem to enjoy it either. There's nothing. So it's not like she gets any, derives any pleasure or glee from mm-hmm. hunting these men or from tricking them like or anything. If she doesn't catch one, she doesn't catch one. She doesn't feel like any way about it. So she's not like in that way, even though, yes, she's like seen as like, she's like the monster of the film. She's not evil. She, she's not coded as evil. What she's doing for whatever reason she's doing it doesn't feel like, oddly doesn't feel like as sinister somehow. Like, I don't know how, how that's happened, but it doesn't feel like quite so sinister. It feels mm-hmm. like, well, I'm sure she has a reason. <laughs> like, that's really the takeaway. <laughs> I don't know why she's doing this, but I'm sure she has a very good reason to be like murdering all these men. I like have have we heard her side of it? Um, I mean, and... it's very clear where your allegiances lies. <laughs> I know. I'm like, do we mind? I don't think so. And um, it's also um, the fact that, like, again, like what's monstrous is what happens to her at the end. That guy's a, a, a real monster. That's something mm-hmm. to actually really be scared of. And like I was saying, these men, she doesn't force anyone into her car. It's not like she is kidnapping men. There's nothing forced about it. She's not forcing mm-hmm. these men at any point. And so the fact that like the actual monster is a guy who tries to force himself on it. And then when he can't, when he's, when something he doesn't understand happens, his instinct is to like, don't know why he, he just sets her on fire. And it's just like, he finds out all that information about her in the woods. He's like, oh, you're on your own. Oh, you just, oh, you're not from around here. Oh, okay. Like, finds out all this information about her. And then it's not like he then asks her, oh, do you want to come to, do you want to, it's, he, he takes it to, to then prey on her, to then use it in a violent way against her, which is like, you know, really, it's monstrous. It's really terrifying. And what we're scared of, like what we're scared of when we talk to strange men, and mm-hmm. she doesn't have that knowledge either. She's not learnt that fear. So she doesn't know it's weird. So yeah, it's 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 really sad ending, but also just really beautiful. Like there's all these little details in it and her performance is fantastic. The guys who aren't actors are really good. The guys who are actors are really good. And Jonathan Glazer said, because obviously it's like a low, like it wasn't a massive budget for the film. And he said during the Q&A, he was like, we people were really worried like I think producers and stuff were quite worried that Scarlett Johansson would be like not okay with some scenes Mm -hmm. would be quite hard to keep her happy and Jonathan Glazer was like she was fantastic she was game for everything um obviously it was freezing a lot of the time she's driving around actually in this van um talking to strangers doing this British accent and they're worried that she wouldn't understand the Glaswegian accent but she she apparently was fine she understood all of it and was just game for every element of this. Mm-hmm. And it really comes across. It's really committed. Like there's not a moment where it breaks for me, her performance. There's not a moment where you don't know exactly like what stage she's at. And the difference from her at the beginning to her by the end is so, so lovely. Such a lovely journey. But like I'm still used to, even if she's dressed, I'm used to seeing her like quite sexualized. So to mm-hmm. see her like this and to see, and I, as an actor, I am, um, I don't really have an issue with being nude necessarily on stage or on screen. It's more how it's used. I'm just like, yeah. oh, I completely understand this use of nudity and I completely understand why she was so comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it really adds, it actually adds to the story. Mm-hmm. And um, 
yeah I think it's just so gently so tastefully done like Hmm. Jonathan Glazer what a brilliant man yeah everything about it I think was inspired the casting everything um really good choices but um yeah it's another one so like Splice the monster in it I don't really feel like is actually the monster I was just about to ask you actually like how do you think these two films Mm. speak to each other so they both feature like what would be the female monster right something that's not Mm -hmm. human or not like what we know as human um but looks vaguely human or looks very human and and under the skins uh yeah (laughs) looks like scott johansson but we know Mm -hmm, it's not human mm -hmm. um and there we're told that they're the threat Scarlett Hansen and Under the Skin, yes, very much so. We see her hunting. Yes, she's the threat. And as far as Dren is concerned in Splice, she potentially is dangerous because she has a spike in her tail because they don't know what she's going to do or what she's capable of um, or really what her thoughts are or anything. But actually, the bad things that happen is because of very much just down to human nature, not their human nature, but people around them. It's how they're viewed, um, Mm -hmm. how they're used what they represent like and so actually the, the female monsters aren't <clears throat> aren't the ones like i was saying scott johansson wasn't coded as evil because whatever she's doing it just seems very practical whatever it is like it feels like they need men for fuel in some way like mm-hmm. that's kind of what it feels like which yes even though it's cool these men had to die for fuel it's just a it's a practical thing rather than like a sadistic thing and dren in no way asked to be made or to be there and she's and now she she's has feelings and thoughts and no one cares about those. Um, and the same, in the same way, Scarlett Hansen develops feelings and thoughts and it, it, it ultimately is at her demise and it's Dren's as well. What starts, what starts really unraveling them is Dren's attraction to Adrian Brody and Adrian Brody's exception, accepting of that. Like he just goes along with it. And that's ultimately like what starts her descent into mm-hmm. <laughs> like into the bad, worst things happening. For Scarlett Hansen, it's like, it, like give a man an inch. She lets one nice man be nice to her. And then she <laughs> thinks that maybe, oh, maybe men aren't so bad. And let's that, that creepy man in the woods talk to her and then look what happens. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's just as everyone else around them. They're not being mm-hmm. allowed to like be. In Under the Skin, doesn't you feel like it's her idea to come down and hunt men? It feels like something she's been sent to do. Mm-hmm. Like it's a job she's doing. She's not even in control of that part of it. It's not even like she's like an evil monster like stalking around like, I like hunting men. It's literally like someone's gone, right, this is your only objective. This is the only thing you do. You literally can't do anything else. Um, so I think both of them have like choices taken away from them. And the question is, like, would they be considered monsters if they had, if they were taken care of, mm-hmm. if they did experience more kindness, and if humans weren't so terrible, if their thoughts and feelings were cared about, would they be? Would they have continued being monsters? And I think in both cases, they wouldn't have. That's such an amazing note to end on as well, Zora. Thank you so much for your time and well, your enthusiasm thank about you. Splice. And your amazing insight on <laughs> Under the Skin. Where can people find more of your work online? You can find me on Twitter. Um, I'm Azara underscore hate. Azara underscore BB. I completely forgot my own Twitter handle then. I've actually written for Bloody Women, which you can find at the Final Girls website. Um, I've written some reviews and an article for Bloody Women, which is great. 
there'll be some stuff coming out soon but everything will be announced on my twitter if you want to find it thank you so Um, much thank you so much it was so much fun as always (laughs) and that's it for this episode of the final girls podcast you can find us on apple podcasts spotify or wherever you get your shows if you can please leave us a review on apple podcasts you can find out more about what we do on the finalgirls.co.uk and follow us on twitter instagram and facebook at final girls uk we're recommending a streamable spooky film every day throughout october you can also follow Azora on Twitter at Azora underscore BB. And I can be found freaking out over the craft remake over on Anna B. Demented. Thank you for listening. And next week, we're going to be talking about murderous puppets and dolls. Covering Annabelle and Bride of Chucky with podcast fave Becky Dark. <laughs>